Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Uh, 14. We're not going to read uh, again all of these verses, but I do want to read just a few of them with you tonight. And we're going to finish up in chapter number two tonight. We've uh, we've been there for about three weeks, and hopefully tonight we'll finish up, move along into chapter number three next Wednesday night. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your uh, young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst, uh, in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have, slain, have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Our Father, we pray tonight that you would bless. Give us the minds and the hearts of these individuals here tonight. Help us, dear God. We uh, we'll, we'll just praise you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, we've been talking, uh, preaching to you out of the books of, book of Acts, and we talked about, the first of all, the church waiting on the Spirit. And then we talked about the church worshiping the Lord. Tonight, we're going to talk about the church witnessing uh, for the Lord in Acts chapter number 2. Now, Peter didn't preach in tongues. Peter, uh, he addressed his audience in everyday uh, language that they could understand. And he preached to them. And the message was that he preached and uh, uh, was given by a Jew. It was given to Jews on a Jewish holiday about a Jewish Messiah that they had taken and uh, crucified. Now, uh, did you know this book? here tonight is primarily a Jewish book. That's the truth. Every, every covenant that God ever made was made with the nation of Israel, even the new covenant. It says, I'll make a new covenant with the household of Israel. So 
um, e even this covenant is with Israel. And so God deals through the Jew. And our Savior was a Jew. Thank God that we've been grafted in. Amen. I praise the Lord for that tonight. But primarily, this is a Jewish book. Now, in, uh, in verse number 10, it talks about where these uh, uh, folk were from. It mentions several places there. And then it says, And strangers of Rome, Jews, and uh, uh, proselytes. Now, uh, the Jews were, these proselytes were, of course, proselytes to the Jewish religion and uh, not to Christianity. These, these were proselytes of the Jews at that time. Now, uh, Peter didn't, act, the, the door actually to the Gentiles and Gentiles being saved and so forth wasn't actually opened until Peter preached to the household of Cornelius over in chapter number 10 of the book of Acts. And Cornelius and his household were saved by the grace of God. But now, there, there are three things that I want you to see in Peter's sermon tonight. Three explanations that he gave to these people that had gathered on that day. First of all, he explained what had happened. Now, uh, you ought to write that down somewhere. Put it in your mind anyway. What had happened. Now, the joyful worship of these believers on that day, the Bible tells us that it wasn't because of, of new wine. It wasn't because uh, they were uh, were drunk, and uh, it was it was in response to the evidence of the uh, arrival of the Holy Ghost of God to indwell believers. Now, that's a great day, folk. I mean that. Can you, uh, you cannot comprehend tonight and neither can I fully comprehend uh, what it means to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. Do you know, uh, every one of us, now we sit around tonight, uh, we look like we're half dead. We look like sometimes like a phonograph is just about uh, run down. We don't look like um, there, there's very much excitement in this place tonight. But I want you to know this. It excites me down to my toes to know that God Almighty lives within me. And that's why these folk got excited. I think, listen, I think it ever really grips the soul of an individual that God Almighty. I, I mean, listen to me. I'm talking about the the one who spoke and brought it all into existence. I, I'm taught, we thought, we think now about, uh, the test firing of this, uh, 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 shuttle that's going to take these astronauts out into outer space. And by the way, I just get nervous looking at that thing. I, I mean, listen, it would take several good men to put me on that shuttle and blast me off. But now that's nothing. That's a lot of power, but, uh, that's nothing compared to God. That's nothing compared to the fact that one day uh, we're going to take a plane air ride. Amen. We're, we're going off into outer space like Enoch went out and uh, Elijah went out. And uh, thank God for that. But now it excites me tonight to no end to know that God lives inside of me. Now, this was not a... A, a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel because the signs and wonders uh, predicted had not occurred and they have not occurred even in this day that we're living in. Now, uh, this prophecy in Joel 
deals with the nation of Israel in the day of the Lord. But now, Peter was led by the Spirit here to see an application unto the church. I mean, um, uh, listen, here, uh, this, this announcement that God, the Holy Ghost, lives within people, that would be incredible to the Jews because, uh, turn with me back to Numbers chapter number 11, please, if you will. In Numbers chapter 11, you see, up until this time here, God, the Holy Ghost, had only come upon certain individuals in the Old Testament. And uh, look in verse number uh, 28, please. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now, uh, the spirit in the Old Testament came upon uh, certain individuals in that day. Uh, Moses had the spirit come upon him. Uh, David had the spirit come upon him other men in Old Testament times. But now Peter had come to a place where he was telling uh, these believers that day, hey, this is a day of days. I mean, this is a day when the Holy Ghost of God has come to live and to dwell in believers. Here were uh, 120 Jews had met together and they were experiencing the blessings that only a select few people in the Old Testament ever knew anything about, and that was the power of the Holy Ghost of God. So he explained what had happened. In other words, Ms. Elam, the Spirit had come. And uh, by the way, ladies aren't second-class Christians when it comes to being indwelt with the Spirit. Amen? Uh, women have the Spirit of God living in them in the same way that men have the Spirit of God living in them. Uh, when, when folk are saved by the grace of God, then the Spirit of God comes in and indwells them, and it doesn't have anything to do with uh, the sex of that individual. Praise the Lord for that. Some of you women ought to say amen to that. Uh, I'm not um, coming up. Uh, on the short end of the stick here, God has indwelt me just as he's indwelt these men here tonight. Now, secondly, think about this. He explained how it happened that Jesus was alive. Amen. That's how it happened. If Jesus were not alive, then we could not be filled with the Spirit. Now, uh, Jesus, uh, the news concerning him, uh, traveled quickly. Visitors knew about the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion of Jesus of, of Nazareth, and uh, they undoubtedly had heard the uh, official announcement of the government that they had come and stolen his body away. But now Peter told them the truth that Jesus Christ was Alive. Now, Peter gave them four proofs of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to get this and give you four quick things, and then we'll be going home in just, uh, well, we'll be dismissing this service and going in 
uh, to a meeting in just a few minutes. Now, number one, his first proof was the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look back in the book of Acts again, chapter number two, and look at verse number 22. It says, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this was a particular person that he was talking about. Let's look, underline these verses and, and having to do with Jesus of Nazareth. Look in chapter uh, 2, or rather 3, and look at verse number 6, please. It says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. This was a particular individual and people in the area that he was talking to that day knew who he was talking about when he mentioned the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Look in chapter 4 and verse number 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. So uh, he's talking about Jesus, and the people understood who he, whom he was talking about. Look in chapter 6 now, and look at verse number 14, please. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. Look over in chapter number 10, please, in uh, uh, verse number uh, 38, 10 and 38. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were pressed of the devil, for God was with him. Look up here. What I'm saying to you is news travels fast in that part of the world. Word of mouth. I mean, that's about the best way to get something out in the city of Beckley is to just word of mouth. Somebody uh, tells somebody over here and somebody, that person tells this one. They, uh, in course, tell several more and it, it begins to spread. And so they knew who he was talking about. It was Jesus of Nazareth. And they knew that Jesus of Nazareth uh, had been able to raise the dead. Uh, uh, they could find no fault in him uh, of that day. Uh, he had been able to uh, heal the sick the lame raised the dead. He, he did many wonders and signs, uh, and, and it was incredible. Listen, it would be incredible to think that a man like Jesus of Nazareth uh, could be defeated by death. I mean, listen, the Bible just simply says it was not possible that sh he should be holding of death. I mean, there were people there undoubtedly that had seen Jesus Christ raise Lazarus from the dead. There were people there who had seen Jesus Christ meet that widow woman uh, in a funeral procession with her only son headed out towards the cemetery, and Jesus interrupted that procession uh, that day, and uh, that, that one was brought back to life 
You see, Jesus Christ had the power over, over life and death, and, and it was not possible that he should be holding of death. And so Peter said, hey, uh, the, the person of Jesus Christ, the one he's talking about, look at it uh, in, in chapter number 2 again. Turn back there, verse 22. Um, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. You know what a miracle of God is? A miracle of God is something that is supernatural. Now, uh, we sometimes refer to things as being a miracle. Well, as long as something is in the realm of the natural, and uh, as long as something can be explained, that's not a miracle. Now, it may be by the workings of God, but I'm just saying sometimes we jump up and say, hey, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that that could happen. No, a miracle is something that is supernatural. A miracle is something that you cannot explain. Now, uh, uh, we talk about uh, where we, what we've done around this building here, that this, uh, this is a miracle. No, I, I'm, I'm fully convinced that the hand of God, now listen, the hand of God has been on Emmanuel Baptist Church. And God has blessed Emmanuel Baptist Church. There's no doubt about that. But now listen, uh, these, these things here can be explained sometimes in the natural. But I, I'm talking about things that Jesus did Brother Jimmy, there was no explanation to him. When you raise somebody from the dead, bless your heart, that's, that's supernatural. By the way, nobody is able to do that in 1988. I don't care what old Robert says, he can't do it. And I don't care what uh, uh, Shambach says, he can't do it. Some of you smiling. You know who I'm talking about when I talk about Shambach. I, I, I like to listen to him sometimes. You know, you know what I'm talking about now, don't you? Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. He, uh, um, he told a story one day about uh, there, there were two fellas, uh, two singing. And he said all of a sudden, another voice chimed, chimed in with him on the last verse. Somebody say amen. Well, now, uh, if you believe that, bless your heart, I got a little uh, piece of oceanfront property out here in Arizona that I'd like to send you. I really would. Now, uh, he said one day that uh, the, 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 the piano was playing, nobody at the organ, nobody over there, and in a service, the organ just cranked up and took off. He said, somebody say amen, somebody shout hallelujah. Well, uh, now listen to me, I, and, and he claims to have raised the dead. Now I want to tell you what that is. That's baloney. Nobody alive on the face of this earth in 1988 can raise the dead. I don't believe that. Well, you find one here and we'll try him out. We'll take him over here to, uh, to the funeral home, put him to work over there. The truth of the matter is, when the early church was beginning, read in Hebrews chapter number one, the, the, the apostles 
uh, and the early church that had the power of God and they uh, they were identified by miracles, signs, wonders. I don't care who it is today. This Kenneth Copeland and all that crowd. You uh, now, I'm telling you that uh, uh, they they're they're in it to take you and uh, not you. I don't believe anybody here to send me any money. I hope to God you never do anything like that. But they're out to fleece the public and to take advantage of them. And bless your heart, that's wrong. Now, you say, well, don't you believe in miracles? Oh, yes, I believe in miracles. But I don't believe in divine healers. And I don't care how close a man can get to God. We'll bring him in here. We'll shut him up in a, in a building over here. Leave him there for two months. Don't let anybody come in. Go out. Give him a Bible. He can read and pray uh, until his eyeballs swell up. And I guarantee you, take somebody in that's dead and he won't be able to raise them from dead because that was an apostolic ministry back there. And uh, by the way, it wasn't for the Gentiles. It was for the, it was for the Jews in that day. And they would have uh, healed the sick. They would have cast out demons. They would have raised the dead. And uh, they would have preached the gospel. But they weren't to preach the gospel to everyone. They would have preached the gospel to the Jews. And so there's a difference. Our commission is different in 1988. Our commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. So um, uh, this man, Jesus Christ, he was identified, Jesus of Nazareth. They said, hey, he's a man that's been performing miracles and signs and wonders. He's approved of God. That's the way folk knew he was approved of God. He had the power of God, power over life and death. And so um, Peter said, hey, the proof is in Jesus Christ himself, the person of Jesus. If I'm not careful, I'll preach the same length of time I preach every Wednesday night, but I'm going to try to cut it off here in just a minute. Number two. Peter's second proof was the prophecy of David. Now, we don't have time to read it, but in 25 through 31 of chapter number 2, he talks about this prophecy. Turn back with me back to Psalm 16, please. Psalm 16. And uh, let's look at this, what he's quoting from. Verse number 8. I have set the Lord always... Uh, before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now look up here. David was a prophet in this instance. And what he was saying here. David wasn't talking about himself here because when Peter quoted this, David had already been dead and buried for a number of years. And, and David has not resurrected yet. He hasn't come forth yet. So Peter wasn't talking about David and David wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about uh, the, the, the Messiah, the one that was to come when David made that prophecy there in Psalm 16. And Peter picked up it in chapter number 2 of Acts and talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, the third proof was a witness of the believers. You say, well, were these fellows reliable witnesses? Let me ask you something. And now be honest. 
would you stand up and and lie to the point that you would would lose your life for? Nobody folks would do that. Now these people were martyred. Many, many of these were martyred because of what they said and what they believed. Now, I don't mean it, now, I don't know too many folks that ever lie on their deathbed. I really don't. I, I mean, listen, you come at somebody with fire and you're going to roast them alive. You're going to boil them in oil. You're going to hang them up on a cross and, and they're going to have to suffer for what they're saying if it's not true and if it's not of God, bless your heart, they'd be a fool somewhere along the line if they didn't back down and say, hey, I've been, I've been joshing you up. I mean, this thing is really not true. I made it all up, and let's back out of this thing. But these fellas died. They laid their lives down for what they believed in. And Peter said, hey, the witness of the believers. Look over in verse number 34. Therefore, being exalted by the right hand of being by the right hand of God exalted and having received the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. I mean, the believers witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then his fourth proof was the presence of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, Jesus himself had promised to send the gift of the Holy Spirit to his people. Now he did this in Luke chapter 24, John chapter number 14, John 15, and Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 4. But if Jesus is dead, he cannot send the Spirit. And so he is alive. Therefore he must be alive. He could not send the Spirit unless he had returned to heaven to the Father. Look it up in John chapter 16 and verse number 11. He said, I, I've got to go back to the Father and then I will send the Spirit. So what Peter said, hey, we have the presence of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, based upon this, you know that Jesus died. You know that he arose from the dead. And you know that he ascended into heaven because if he had not, not done that, then the Holy Ghost could not have come. Now, Peter's conclusion was both a declaration and also an accusation against the people. He said... Uh, not only had a substitute, a sinless substitute, died for the sins of the world, but he said, hey, you Jews have crucified your own Messiah and your own Savior. Look at it. Him, Jesus, verse 23, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But now, Peter gave, uh, 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 what, was there any hope for these? He gave, a, he gave another explanation. You say, well, they, they killed the Messiah. Is, is there any hope? Yes. He explained why it happened. Now notice, what had happened? The Spirit had come. How it happened? He gave four reasons, explained how it came about. Now he's going to say why the Spirit came and why Jesus died. He did it to save sinners. Amen. He did it to save sinners. 
Now, look in verse number 38, please. And, and oh, here's where, the, here's where the Church of Christ people, they come in. Oh, they'll get this verse here, and uh, they, they just go wild on it. They said, hey, uh, you've got to be baptized. You've got to be baptized. You've got to be baptized. Acts 2.38, 2.38. Look at, look at what it said. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, Somebody said, well, it's just plain as your nose on your face there. It says you have to do it for the remission of sin. Let me ask you this. Brother Larry Painter back here, last Sunday evening had a headache. I don't know whether, did, did you take anything for that at all? What? Did, did you take a buffering or something like that? A what? An advent. Now I want to ask you something. Did you take that Advil because you had that headache? Or did you take that Advil in order to get a headache? I think you know the answer to that. Now listen to me. If you say... I'm going to take an aspirin for a headache. What does for mean? Does it mean you're going to take an aspirin in order to get a headache? Or does it mean you're going to take an aspirin because you already have a headache? You and I both know what it means. And it means here in this verse here that we're going to get baptized because not in order to be saved, but because we have repented of our sins, because we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are going into the baptistry and openly profess what has happened to us on the inside that we believe in the death, the burial, and the bodily resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the next time you run into one of those birds called Camelites, uh, you, you give them that illustration and lay it on them and, uh, and see what they have to say about that. Now, you better, be, you better be armed and ready because they're usually pretty proficient in what they have been taught concerning the perversion. But I'm saying to you tonight, Peter said, hey, you can be saved. Doesn't make any difference what you've done. If you'll repent of that sin, Jesus Christ will save your soul.